three of the School for Scandal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The School for Scandal, by Richard Brinsley Sheridan, Act Three, Scene One, Sir Peter Teasel's. Enter Sir Peter Teasel, Sir Oliver Surface, and Rowley. Well then, we will see this fellow first and have our wine afterwards. But how is this, Master Rowley? I don't see the jet of your scheme. Why, sir, this Mr. Stanley, who I was speaking of, is nearly related to them by their mother. He was a merchant in Dublin, but has been ruined by a series of undeserved misfortunes. He has applied by letter to Mr. Surface and Charles. From the former he has received nothing but evasive promises of future service while charles has done all that his extravagance has left him power to do and he is at this time endeavouring to raise a sum of money part of which in the midst of his own distresses i know he intends for the service of poor stanley ah he is my brother's son well but how is Sir Oliver personally to— Why, sir, I will inform Charles and his brother that Stanley has obtained permission to apply personally to his friends, and as they have neither of them ever seen him, let Sir Oliver assume his character, and he will have a fair opportunity of judging, at least of the benevolence of their dispositions, and believe me sir you will find in the youngest brother one who in the midst of folly and dissipation has still as our immortal bard expresses it a heart to pity and a hand open as day for melting charity sure what signifies his having an open hand or purse either when he has nothing left to give well well make the trial if you please but where does the fellow whom you brought for sir oliver to examine relative to charles affairs below waiting his commands and no one can give him better intelligence this sir oliver is a friendly jew who to do him justice has done everything in his power to bring your nephew to a proper sense of his extravagance pray let us have him in apart to servant desire sir moses to walk upstairs but pray why do you suppose he will speak the truth oh i have convinced him that he has no chance of recovering certain sums advanced to charles but through the bounty of sir oliver who he knows is arrived so that you may depend on his fidelity to his own interests I have also another evidence in my power, one snake, whom I have detected in a matter little short of forgery, and shall speedily produce him to remove some of your prejudices. I have heard too much on that subject. Here comes the honest Israelite. Enter Moses. This is Sir Oliver. Sir, I understand you have lately had great dealings with my nephew Charles. Yes, Sir Oliver. I have done all I could for him, but he was ruined before he came to me for assistance. That was unlucky, truly, for you have had no opportunity of showing your talents. Not at all. 
I hadn't the pleasure of knowing his distresses till he was some thousands worse than nothing. Unfortunate indeed. But I suppose you have done all in your power for him, honest Moses? Yes, he knows that. This very evening I was to have brought him a gentleman from the city, who does not know him, and will, I believe, advance him some money. What? One child has never had money from before? Yes, Mr. Premium, of Crutched Friars, formerly a broker. Egad, Sir Oliver, a thought strikes me. Charles, you say, does not know Mr. Premium? Not at all. Now then, Sir Oliver, you may have a better opportunity of satisfying yourself than by an old romancing tale of a poor relation. Go with my friend Moses, and represent Premium, and then, I'll answer for it, you'll see your nephew in all his glory. Egad, I like this idea better than the other, and I may visit Joseph afterwards as old Stanley. True, so you may. Well, this is taking Charles rather at a disadvantage, to be sure. However, Moses, you understand Sir Peter, and will be faithful? You may depend upon me. This is near the time I was to have gone. I'll accompany you as soon as you please, Moses. But hold, I have forgotten one thing. How the plague shall I be able to pass for a Jew? There's no need. The principal is Christian. Is he? I'm very sorry to hear it. But then again, ain't I rather too smartly dressed to look like a money-lender? Not at all. T'would not be out of character if you went in your own carriage, would it, Moses? Not in the least. Well, but how must I talk? There's certainly some cant of usury and mode of treating that I ought to know. Oh, there's not much to learn. The great point, as I take it, is to be exorbitant enough in your demands. Eh, Moses? Yes, that's a very great point. I'll answer for it. I'll not be wanting in that. I'll ask him eight or ten percent, on the loan at least. If you ask him no more than that, you'll be discovered immediately. Hey, what the plague? How much, then? That depends upon the circumstances. If he appears not very anxious for the supply, you should require only forty or fifty percent. But... If you find him in great distress, and want the monies very bad, you may ask double. A good honest trade you're learning, Sir Oliver. Truly, I think so, and not unprofitable. Then, you know, you haven't the monies yourself, but are forced to borrow them for him of an old friend. Oh, I borrow it of a friend, do I? And your friend is an unconscionable dog, but you can't help that. My friend's an unconscionable dog? Yes, and he himself has not the monies by him, but is forced to sell stock at a great loss. He is forced to sell stock at a great loss, is he? Well, that's very kind of him. E faith, Sir Oliver, Mr. Premium, I mean. You'll soon be master of the trade. But, Moses, would you not have him run out a little against the annuity bill? That would be in character, I should think. Very much and lament that a young man now must be at years of discretion before he is suffered to ruin himself ay great pity and abuse the public for allowing merit to an act whose only object is to snatch misfortune and imprudence from the rapacious gripe of usury and give the miner a chance of inheriting his estate without being undone by coming into possession so so 
Moses shall give me further instructions as we go together. You will not have much time, for your nephew lives hard by. Oh, never fear. My tutor appears so able, that though Charles lived in the next street, it must be my own fault if I am not a complete rogue before I turn the corner. Exeunt Sir Oliver Surface and Moses. So, now, I think Sir Oliver will be convinced. You are partial, really, and would have prepared Charles for the other plot? No, upon my word, Sir Peter. Well, go bring me this snake, and I'll hear what he has to say presently. I see Maria, and want to speak with her. Exit Rowley. I should be glad to be convinced my suspicions of Lady Teasel and Charles were unjust. I have never opened my mind on this subject to my friend Joseph. I am determined I will do it. He will give me his opinion sincerely. Enter Maria. So, child, has Mr. Surface returned with you? No, sir, he was engaged. Well, Maria, do you not reflect, the more you converse with that amiable young man, what return his partiality for you deserves? Indeed, Sir Peter, your infrequent importunity on this subject distresses me extremely. You compel me to declare that I know no man who has ever paid me a particular attention, whom I would not prefer to Mr. Surface. So, here's perverseness. No, no, Maria, tis Charles only whom you should prefer. Tis evident his vices and follies have won your heart. This is unkind, sir. You know I have obeyed you in neither seeing nor corresponding with him. I have heard enough to convince me that he is unworthy of my regards, yet I cannot think it culpable if— while my understanding severely condemns his voice. My heart suggests some pity for his distresses. Well, well, pity him as much as you please, but give your heart and hand to a worthier object. Never to his brother. Go, perverse and obstinate. But take care, madam. You have never yet known what the authority of a guardian is. Don't compel me to inform you of it. I can only say— you shall not have just reason. Tis true, by my father's will, I am for some short period bound to regard you as his substitutes, but must cease to think of you as so when you would compel me to be miserable. Exit, Maria. Was ever man so crossed as I am? Everything conspiring to fret me. I had not been involved in matrimony a fortnight before her father, a hale and hearty man, died on purpose i believe for the pleasure of plaguing me with the care of his daughter but here comes my helpmate she appears in great good humour how happy i should be if i could tease her into loving me though but a little enter lady teasel lud sir peter i hope you haven't been quarrelling with maria it is not using me well to be ill-humoured but i am not by Ah, Lady Teasel, you might have the power to make me good-humoured at all times. I am sure I wish I had, for I want you to be in a charming, sweet temper at this moment. Do be good-humoured now, and let me have two hundred pounds, will you? Two hundred pounds? What? And I to be in a good humour without paying for it? But speak to me thus, and in faith there's nothing I could refuse you. You shall have it, but seal me a bond for the repayment. Oh, no, there, my note of hand will do as well, offering her hand. And you shall no longer reproach me with not giving you an independent settlement. I mean shortly to surprise you. 
but shall we always live thus hey if you please i'm sure i don't care how soon we leave off quarrelling provided you'll own you were tired first well then let our future contest be who shall be the most obliging i assure you sir peter good nature becomes you you look now as you did before we were married when you used to walk with me under the elms and tell me stories of what a gallant you were in your youth and chuck me under the chin you would and ask me if i thought i could love an old fellow who would deny me nothing didn't you yes yes and you were as kind and attentive ay so i was and would always take your part when my acquaintance used to abuse you and turn you into ridicule indeed ay and when my cousin sophie has called you a stiff peevish old bachelor and laughed at me for thinking of marrying one who might be my father i have always defended you and said i didn't think you so ugly by any means and i dared say you'd make a very good sort of a husband and you prophesied right and we shall now be the happiest couple and never differ again no never though at the same time indeed my dear lady teasel you must watch your temper very seriously for in all our little quarrels my dear if you recollect my love you always began first i beg your pardon my dear sir peter indeed you always gave the provocation now see my angel take care contradicting isn't the way to keep friends then don't you begin it my love there now you you are going on you don't perceive my life that you are just doing the very thing which you know always makes me angry nay you know if you will be angry without any reason my dear there now you want to quarrel again no i am sure i don't but if you will be so peevish there now who begins first why you to be sure i said nothing but there's no bearing your temper no no madam the fault's in your own temper ay you were just what my cousin sophie said you would be your cousin sophie is a forward impertinent gipsy you are a great bear i'm sure to abuse my relations now may all the plagues of marriage be doubled on me if ever i try to be friends with you any more so much the better no no madam tis evident you never cared a pin for me and i was a madman to marry you a pert rural coquette that had refused half the honest squires in the neighbourhood and i am sure i was a fool to marry you an old dangling bachelor who is single at fifty only because he could never meet with any one who would have him ay ay madam but you were pleased enough to listen to me you never had such an offer before No didn't i refuse sir tivy terrier who everybody said would have been a better match for his estate is just as good as yours and he has broke his neck since we have been married i have done with you madam you are an unfeeling ungrateful but there's an end of everything i believe you capable of everything that is bad yes madam i now believe the reports relative to you and charles madam yes madam you and charles are not without grounds take care sir peter you had better not insinuate any such thing i'll not be suspected without cause i promise you 
Very well, madam, very well. A separate maintenance as soon as you please. Yes, madam, or a divorce. I will make an example of myself for the benefit of all old bachelors. Let us separate, madam. Agreed, agreed. And now, my dear Sir Peter, we are of a mind once more. We may be the happiest couple and never differ again, you know. <laughs> well, you are going to be in a passion, I see, and shall only interrupt you. So, bye-bye. Exit. Plagues and tortures. Can't I make her angry either? Oh, I am the most miserable fellow. But I'll not bear her presuming to keep her temper. No, she may break my heart, but she shan't keep her temper. Exit. Scene two. Charles Surface's house. Enter Trip, Moses, and Sir Oliver Surface. Here, Master Moses, if you'll stay a moment, I'll try whether. What's the gentleman's name? Mr. Premium. Premium. Very well. Exit Trip. Taking snuff. To judge by the servants, one wouldn't believe the master was ruined. But what? Sure, this was my brother's house. Yes, sir. Mr. Charles bought it of Mr. Joseph with the furniture, pictures, etc., just as the old gentleman left it. Sir Peter thought it a piece of extravagance in him. In my mind, the other's economy in selling it to him was more rehensible by half. Enter Trip. My master says you must wait, gentlemen. He has company and can't speak with you yet. If he knew who it was wanted to see him, perhaps he would not send such a message. Yes, yes, sir. He knows you are here. I did not forget little premium. No, no, no. Very well. And I pray, sir, what may be your name? Trip, sir. My name is Trip, at your service. Well, then, Mr. Trip, you have a pleasant sort of place here, I guess. Why, yes. Here are three or four of us pass our time agreeably enough, but then our wages are sometimes a little in arrear and not very great either, but fifty pounds a year, and find our own bags and bouquets. Aside. Bags and bouquets? Halters and bastinados. And, apropos, Moses, have you been able to get me that little bill discounted? Aside. Wants to raise money, too. Mercy on me. Has his distresses, too, I warrant, like a lord, and affects creditors and duns. T'was not to be done, indeed, Mr. Tripp. Good lack, you surprise me. My friend Brush has endorsed it, and I thought when he put his name on the back of a bill, t'was the same as cash. No, it wouldn't do. A small sum, but twenty pounds. Hark ye, Moses. Do you think you couldn't get it me by way of annuity? Aside. An annuity? Ha, ha, ha! A footman raised money by way of annuity? Well done, luxury! Egad! Well, but you must insure your place. Oh, with all my heart! I'll insure my place, and my life, too, if you please. Aside. It is more than I would your neck. But is there nothing you could deposit? Why, nothing capital in my master's wardrobe has dropped lately. But I could give you a mortgage and some of his winter clothes, with equity of redemption before November, or you shall have the reversion of the French velvet, or a post-obit on the blue and silver. These, I should think, Moses, with a few pair of point ruffles, as a collateral security. Hey, my little fellow. Well, well. Bell rings. Egad, I heard the bell. I believe, gentlemen, I can now introduce you. Don't forget the annuity, little Moses. This way, gentlemen, I'll ensure my place, you know. If the man be a shadow of the master, this is the temple of dissipation indeed. 
Exeunt. Scene three. Charles Surface, Sir Harry Bumper, Careless, etc., etc., discovered at a table, with wine, etc. For heaven, tis true. There's the great degeneracy of the age. Many of our acquaintance have taste, spirit, and politeness, but plague they won't drink. It is so indeed, Charles. They give in to all the substantial luxuries of the table, and abstain from nothing but wine and wit. Oh, certainly, society suffers by it intolerably. For now, instead of the social spirit of raillery that used to mantle over a glass of bright burgundy, their conversation has become just like the spa-water they drink, which has all the pertness and flatulence of champagne, without the spirit or flavour. But what are they to do who love play better than wine? True. There Sir Harry diets himself for gaming, and is now under a hazard regimen. Then he'll have the worst of it. What? You wouldn't train a horse to the course by keeping him from corn. For my party, Gad, I am never so successful as when I am a little merry. Let me throw on a bottle of champagne, and I never lose. At least, I never feel my losses, which is exactly the same thing. Ay, that I believe. And then, what man can pretend to be a believer in love, who is an abjurer of wine? Tis the test by which the lover knows his own heart. Fill a dozen bumpers to a dozen beauties, and she that floats at the top is the maid that has bewitched you. Now then, Charles, be honest, and give us your real favourite. Why, I have withheld her only in compassion to you. If I toast her, you must give a round of her peers, which is impossible, on earth. No, then we'll find some canonised vestals or heathen goddesses that will do, I warrant. Here then, bumpers, you rogues, bumpers. Maria! Maria! Maria who? Oh, damn the surname. Tis too formal to be registered in love's calendar. But now, Sir Harry, beware. We must have beauty superlative. Nay, never study, Sir Harry. We'll stand to the toast though your mistress should want an eye, and you know you have a song will excuse you. Egad, so I have, and I'll give him the song instead of the lady. Here's to the maiden of bashful fifteen, here's to the widow of fifty, here's to the flaunting extravagant queen, and here's to the housewife that's thrifty let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she'll prove an excuse for the glass here's to the charmer whose dimples we prize now to the maid who has none sir here's to the girl with a pair of blue eyes and here's to the nymph with but one sir let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she'll prove an excuse for the glass here's to the maid with a bosom of snow now to her that's as brown as a berry 
here's to the wife with a face full of woe and now to the girl that is merry let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she'll prove an excuse for the glass for let em be clumsy or let em be slim young or ancient i care not a feather so fill a pint bumper quite up to the brim and let us e'en toast them together let the toast pass drink to the lass i'll warrant she'll prove an excuse for the glass enter trip and whispers charles surface gentlemen you must excuse me a little careless take the chair will you nay prithee charles what now this is one of your peerless beauties i suppose is dropped in by chance no faith to tell you the truth tis a jew and a broker who are come by appointment no damn it let's have the jew in ay and the broker too by all means yes yes the jew and the broker egad with all my heart trip bid the gentlemen walk in though there's one of them a stranger i can tell you charles let us give them some generous burgundy and perhaps they'll grow conscientious oh hang em no wine does but draw forth a man's natural qualities and to make them drink would only be to wet their knavery enter trip sir oliver surface and moses so honest moses walk in pray mr premium that's the gentleman's name isn't it moses yes sir set chairs trip sit down mr premium glasses trip sit down moses come mr premium i'll give you a sentiment here's success to usury moses fill the gentleman a bumper success to usury right moses usury is prudence and industry and deserves to succeed then here's all the success it deserves no no that won't do mr premium you have demurred at the toast and must drink it in a pint bumper a pint bumper at least oh pray sir consider mr premium's a gentleman and therefore loves good wine give moses a court glass this is mutiny and a high contempt for the chair here now for it i'll see justice done to the last drop of my bottle nay pray gentlemen i did not expect this usage no hang it you shan't mr premium's a stranger aside odd i wish i was well out of their company plague on em then if they don't drink we'll not sit down with em come harry the dice are in the next room charles you'll join us when you have finished your business with the gentleman i will i will exeunt careless returning well perhaps i may want you no you know i am always ready word note or bond tis all the same to me exit sir this is mr premium a gentleman of the strictest honour and secrecy and always performs what he undertakes mr premium this is sir have done sir my friend moses is a very honest fellow 
but a little slow at expression. He'll be an hour giving us our titles. Mr. Premium, the plain state of the matter is this. I am an extravagant young fellow who wants to borrow money. You I take to be a prudent old fellow who have got money to lend. I am blockhead enough to give fifty per cent sooner than not have it, and you, I presume, are rogue enough to take a hundred if you can get it. Now, sir, you see we are acquainted at once, and may proceed to business without farther ceremony. Exceeding frank, upon my word. I see, sir, you are not a man of many compliments. Oh, no, sir. Plain dealing in business I always think best. Sir, I like you the better for it. However, you are mistaken in one thing. I have no money to lend. But I believe I could procure some of a friend. But then he's an unconscionable dog, isn't he, Moses? But you can't help that. And must sell stock to accommodate you. Mustn't he, Moses? Yes, indeed. You know I always speak the truth, and scorn to tell a lie. Right. People that speak the truth generally do. But these are trifles, Mr. Premium. What? I know money isn't to be bought without paying for it. Well, but what security could you give? You have no land, I suppose. Not a molehill nor a twig, but what's in the bow-pots out of the window. Nor any stock, I presume? Nothing but livestock, and that's only a few pointers and ponies. But pray, Mr. Premium, are you acquainted at all with any of my connections? Why, to say truth, I am. Then you must know that I have a devilish rich uncle in the East Indies, Sir Oliver Surface, from whom I have the greatest expectations. That you have a wealthy uncle, I have heard. But how your expectations will turn out is more, I believe, than you can tell. Oh, no, there can be no doubt. They tell me I'm a prodigious favourite, and that he talks of leaving me everything. Indeed. This is the first I've heard of it. Yes, yes, tis just so. Moses knows tis true, don't you, Moses? Oh, yes, I'll swear to that. Aside. Egad, don't persuade me presently, I'm at Bengal. Now I propose, Mr. Premium, if it's agreeable to you, a post-obit on Sir Oliver's life, though at the same time the old fellow has been so liberal to me that I give you my word, I should be very sorry to hear that anything had happened to him. Not more than I should, I assure you. But the bond you mention happens to be just the worst security you could offer me, for I might live to be a hundred and never see the principal. Oh, yes, you would. The moment Sir Oliver dies, you know you would come on me for the money. Then I believe I should be the most unwelcome dun you ever had in your life. What? I suppose you're afraid Sir Oliver is too good a life. No, indeed I am not. Though I have heard he is as hale and healthy as any man of his years in Christendom. There again now you are misinformed. No, no, the climate has hurt him considerably. Poor Uncle Oliver. Yes, yes, he breaks a pace, I'm told, and is so much altered lately that his nearest relations don't know him. No! <laughs> so much altered lately that his nearest relations don't know him? <laughs> Egad! <laughs> <laughs> You're glad to hear that, little premium. No, no, I'm not. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> you know that mends your chance. But I'm told Sir Oliver is coming over. Nay, some say he's actually arrived. Psa, 
sure i must know better than you whether he's come or not no no rely on't he's at this moment at calcutta isn't he moses oh yes certainly very true as you say you must know better than i though i have it from a pretty good authority haven't i moses yes most undoubted but sir as i understand you want a few hundreds immediately is there nothing you could dispose of how do you mean for instance now i have heard that your father left behind him a great quantity of massive old plate oh lud that's gone long ago moses can tell you how better than i can aside good lack all the family race cups and corporation bowls uh, then it was also supposed that his library was one of the most valuable and compact yes yes so it was vastly too much so for a private gentleman for my part i was always of a communicative disposition so i thought it a shame to keep so much knowledge to myself aside mercy upon me learning that had run in the family like an heirloom pray what are become of the books you must inquire of the auctioneer master premium for i don't believe even moses can direct you i know nothing of books so so uh, nothing of the family property left i suppose not much indeed unless you have a mind to the family pictures i have got a room full of ancestors above and if you have a taste for old paintings egad you shall have em a bargain hey what the devil sure you wouldn't sell your forefathers would you every man of them to the best bidder what your great uncles and aunts ay and my great-grandfathers and grandmothers too aside now i give up what the plague have you no bowels for your own kindred odds life do you take me for shylock in the play that you would raise money of me on your own flesh and blood nay my little broker don't be angry what need you care if you have your money's worth well i'll be the purchaser i think i can dispose of the family canvas aside oh i'll never forgive him this never enter careless come charles what keeps you i can't come yet if faith we are going to have a sale above stairs here's little premium will buy all my ancestors oh burn your ancestors no he may do that afterwards if he pleases stay careless we want you egad you shall be auctioneer so come along with us oh have with you if that's the case i can handle the hammer as well as a dice-box aside oh the profligate come moses you shall be appraiser if we want one gad's life little premium you don't seem to like the business oh yes i do vastly <laughs> yes yes i think it a rare joke to sell one's family by auction <laughs> aside oh the prodigal to be sure when a man wants money where the plague should he get assistance if he can't make free with his own relations exeunt end of act three